Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. You can visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com, and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competition, and our blog as well. Today, our guest is Linda Mitchell. After studying at Georgia State University and Berry College, Linda attended the University of Georgia, receiving a BFA in 1982. While there, she developed a special interest in lithography. She credits printmaking for spurring her feeling for layering images and materials. Linda went on to receive an MFA in painting from the University of Georgia in 1990 and an MFA in sculpture from Georgia State University in 1994. A collage class that Linda took near the end of graduate school became a real impetus in her developing a personal visual language. Collage allowed her to combine her impulse for image making with her sculptural facility. In the dreamlike juxtaposing of the real and the imagined, she feels a kinship with four modern masters. Well, good morning, Linda, and thank you for being on An Artist Speaks. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Let's start off the show this morning with having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I would have to say that I've always felt like I was an artist, even as a small child. I just continued that after I attended college and just all through my life. It's been just one of the most important parts of my life to make art. And um, for the last 30-plus years, I've been creating and exhibiting um, throughout the United States. I started with a, a true love of, you know, two-dimensional drawing, painting, printmaking, but I have morphed into sculpture, sculptural paintings. One of my latest uh, favorite uh, projects to do, although it takes a lot more time, is um, installations with large, soft sculptures, life-size animal figures, and then I also um, include painted and sculptural elements, and sometimes these installations take up a whole room. So that's one of the things I've led into. But then I still like to make paintings and drawings and watercolors. So I, I kind of now do it, do it all, do all of the things that I'm passionate about. Well, what was your uh, first medium that you did your art mostly in? Well, I guess it would be um, drawing and painting. And, and even as a child, I did some 
acrylic and oil painting, and I would always be making something. My sister used to call me Miss Art or Miss Reed because that's all I wanted to do. It's just creation is, you know, just always been interesting. I remember I'd make little paper figures, and I've always been drawn to the animal images. I've done, you know, figurative. You have to do a lot of that in school, and you have to work on some landscape. But animal figures, to me, are fascinating, just rich and colorful and varied. Animals are very um, genuine creatures. They have no pretense of emotion, so I like to use them to convey emotion, even though it's oftentimes a um, human emotion that I'm working with. But I feel like they, they offer the, um, you know, a sincere representation of whatever whatever I want to show. Well, when you're doing your paintings of the animals, are you working mostly from photographs? A lot of the time I am working from photographs. As I get more familiar with a certain sort of animal, I would be more inclined to be inventive. For instance, I, you know, I work with my, my own dogs that I am so familiar with. So at times I'll do them as just as from memory or from invention. I did work a lot with the African elephants the elephant and the rhino, and I got so familiar with them after studying them at the zoo, and that unfortunately I haven't been to Africa yet, but I hope to one day, after studying the live animals and the photographs, and I did some drawings of both, then I got a little more familiar with them and was comfortable, you know, creating the images of those creatures. But in the, in the beginning, I always photographs to get sort of familiar if I want to be somewhat representational. Well, tell the audience about your process when you're creating your art, how you start off creating it. Okay, there's different ways that I do it. For instance, sometimes when I'm planning sort of a large, um, ambitious piece, I might have a preconceived notion, you know, this is going to be my large elephant, or this is going to be my large rhino, or this one I'm working on right now is my large wombat, which is a, a creature that I'm very interested in right now. But in those cases, I sort of know what I'm going to do, but a lot of the time when I'm working with a smaller, more sort of intuitive piece, I will make the um, original, I start with, I usually start with a structure, and I start with paint and pigment, and I, um, I call the process Embrace the Messy, because um, I realized several years ago that in life, it was sort of a messy time in my life and in our country's life. I think it was when um, we were in the Gulf War, and I started doing this sort of process of beginning a piece. I'd throw it on the floor. I'd gesso it with whatever color I was in the mood of, so not white, but it might be blue. I think the first original one was like a dark blue. And then I'll throw the pigment. I'll use a spray paint. I mean, not spray paint, spray bottle, and I'll let the pigment run all over it and even blot it. And all of a sudden, you've got this wonderful, rich, messy surface, which starts to suggest a lot of um, images. So I'll do that kind of thing, and I'll, you know, let it dry, put it up on the wall, and start to see where the painting itself wants to go. And that's my more intuitive process, as opposed to the one where I'm sort of planning exactly what the imagery will be on the piece. Well, your art is very unique looking. Uh, your animals are very distinctive, and images and your paintings there seems to be a story there. You're, you're going into your art. But are you looking or do you have a pre-planned story or is it just something that develops as, as you're creating? Well, that can, that can be both ways, too. Sometimes I know what I'm talking about because it's very foremost in my mind, like, for instance, with the um, African creatures and 
and even this Australian one that I'm working with now, um, I really want to convey a sense of appreciation for this planet and uh, all of our flora and fauna, definitely working with an environmental theme there that's, you know, sort of above board. But many times I'm working on a piece and something, um, some sort of undercurrent might come up, whether it's something I'm dealing with in my own life in a personal way or something I'm witness to, you know, in, in our current media needs to work itself out. So I kind of let both happen. Even if I start sometimes with a with a big global theme, it might um, end up having some personal little elements that are coming in from my own life. And one of the things that I find is so rewarding about art is it allows you to find these things out in a process, a visual process that you kind of, if, you're, if you listen to it, you learn a lot about yourself and what you're trying to work through or, or show to other people. You mentioned earlier uh, you do different sizes. Predominantly, what what's your average size of your art piece? There's, there's probably not a very good average size because my largest painting is 8 by 10 feet. That's um, my rhino, which I was one of my most ambitious ones. And then my largest installation is more like 15 by 30 feet room size. But then I would say lately I've been very interested in like an 18 by 18 or 20 by 20, I'm into the square format right now, which is kind of different, as well as I've been doing these really long skinny ones. So um, that's the 20 by 40 um, in size. And so I'm kind of, those are kind of easier to be more exploratory when you're on a smaller piece. Kind of leads me into some new um, sort of uh, processes or images because you're not as committed. When you're 8 by 10 feet, you kind of have a, a sense of, I guess, caution, and you want to proceed at some sort of planned process or, or idea. So the, the smaller ones that I'm working with right now, in addition to some bigger ones, are really kind of fun in some ways because I let it go and I let it be a little more free and, and, and different things come into the elements uh, that I'm working with. Well, it sounds like you're creating all the time. Uh, on average, uh, how many pieces of art do you create in a, a month's time? Uh, that's hard to say, but I would say, well, this past month, I would say I have done, because I was working on sort of an, a larger ambitious one, and it's almost done, and I finished that one in about a month, which is not always the case, as well as I finished another diptych, and also several drawing, painting, exploration things, too. And that's a good month when I get that much done, that I, and I have been getting some studio work in lately, and life is always interesting the way it it lets you uh, go to your studio or not, but it's certainly the priority of uh, my week is to get some time in there. Well, yeah, I think you just answered my uh, next question was going to be you, you um, have more than one piece going at a time. It sounds like you do. Absolutely. It's the only way I can um, function because at a certain point <laughs> you have to put a piece away. And sometimes you even have to turn it to the wall so it stops bothering you, and then you can come back to it and figure out what is wrong with it. Yeah, I find that uh, a lot of times some of the hardest things for an artist to do is to know when that... Yes, that's, that's one of my problems, too. Fortunately, sometimes I've had fellow artists help me to know that uh, before I went past the point where I should have stopped. It is. It's tricky. And one of the things that I think is so helpful for us with our modern technology is I have a new process where I do sort of an animation of the piece. This is, I've just started this this past month. but So you take each, at each point, whatever time you want to do it. I kind of do it when I leave the studio or when I come in, if it was on the floor drying. 
and you take a picture of it, and so you sort of see the animation and the progress of the piece. And the beauty of that is sometimes I will have lost something that I needed to kind of try to return to. Or I can see exactly, sometimes when you're looking at something two-dimensionally on your iPad or phone, you can see it much clearer than you can when you're just looking at it because you're so attached to it and personal in your space. So that helps me somewhat. And I'll look at it away from the studio and I'll say, oh, that area is really troubling me, and it, I didn't see it, you know, when I was actually in person looking at it. So some of those great tools of, of modern technology can really help you to, to make those decisions, I guess. That's very interesting. Is there an artist that you find, or is there someone that has influenced your art? Well, I um, I really like, lately I've been really interested in some of the pioneering women artists of the last century, and I've been reading some of the bios, and I have actually a book of these three women who just really took charge of their lives without apology and were the artists that they wanted to be, and it's Frida Kahlo, George O'Keefe, and Emily Carr, the Canadian artists. I've just been really interested in how, you know, we are sort of lucky to be female artists in this day and age, whereas they were absolutely to fight their way to, to doing what they want. And I, and I like all of their imagery. I think all of their imagery is quite sort of unique and spiritual in their own way. And so I feel like my work, although it may look nothing like any of them, maybe Frida Kahlo is the most in the fact that I use animals and some of these kind of sort of surrealist combinations, but I think they all were sort of spiritual truth with their work, and I feel like that's what I am trying to do, too. So, are you a full-time artist now, Linda? Well, more or less, except for that I am also a mother and a part-time art teacher, so, and, you know, a wife and a family, so you kind of, that all integrates into it as well as taking care of a, a parent myself, so um, as much as I can be, that's what I am. Well, you stated earlier that you had been in, interested in art for a very long time, but was there a defining moment when you just knew that being a, an artist was your ambition for life? I think I just always knew that. That I mean, of course, when I declared my major in college, I was like, well, here I am where I always knew I would be. But it just it just was always very clear to me that was where I was going. I think it may have surprised some other people who didn't realize that's just what I enjoyed so much of in life is, is creation. And I guess I could have gone a different way with creation. Um, you know, I like writing as well, but I don't think I have the facility for that as much. I think I always knew I'd be creative and that I would have to create something um, as part of my life's work. Well, Linda, I think we're at a good spot here for a quick commercial break. So let me do a commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the pieces you have on Contemporary Art Gallery. Okay, sounds good. I want to let everyone know that you can view and purchase Linda Mitchell's artwork by going to contemporaryartgalleryonline.com. Click on the search tab and then under Artist, and look for Linda Mitchell's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants today. If you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com and click on the membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, again, visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com and complete the volume purchaser's request form. And again, to do Linda Mitchell's stunning artwork or to re-listen to this interview, 
and of course purchase some of Linda's great art, please click on the Artist tab and then on Linda Mitchell's name. Well, Linda, one of the pieces that you have at Contemporary Art Gallery Online is entitled Quartet Elephant. Tell the audience about that piece. Okay. Well, um, the Quartet Elephant piece centers on my favorite animals from childhood on. The elephant, I've always just really been drawn to them, to their, they're just a magnificent creature. And this piece pays homage to these creatures who I feel we are very fortunate to still exist with on the same planet. I want to express my environmental concerns for these animals and others like them that I think we need to consistently pay attention to preserving and um, protecting. Our, all of our flora and fauna on this, this planet that is so amazing. I wanted to just make a piece that is a testament to the beauty and wonder of some of the vanishing natural world. In making this piece, I came up with the concept of using four colors, much as you would for instruments in a quartet. And four harmonious colors combined to create the music or the piece that is this one image of the elephant. And these elephants that I studied and rhinos were at our zoo in Atlanta. I was lucky enough to be able to interact with them and feed them and get to know their personalities. So they also sort of convey the the specific animals. And this is a very feisty, smaller elephant named Kelly who is um, pictured in this piece. And when I do sell the prints of this particular piece, I um, do give 50% back to Zoo Atlanta for elephant enrichment. Um, these elephants need a lot of uh, things to do all day because they are very intelligent. And if you go out there and watch them all day, you'll see they have many kinds of enrichment and games and activities for them. So I like to support that as much as possible. Well, did you use an image or was there a, a live elephant that you used for this painting? Uh, both. Well, I used to go out there when I was working on this series. I worked for a year on this series of the elephants. And I called it Big Muse, and it was the elephants and rhinos of Zoo Atlanta. And I would go out there with a little chair and a sketchbook, and I would draw images, and I would photograph them and come back and do, you know, studies. And then finally, the big piece. So I guess I use both. I usually don't find one exact photo that works well, so I have to kind of combine those with sketches and, and change some of it or modify it to make it work with, with what I want for this piece. Well, when you mentioned rhinos, which is the next piece I wanted to talk about, what do you believe? Tell the audience about that piece. Okay, that's actually Rosie, a rhino that we had at Zoo Atlanta. I see that this figure as being somewhat of a sort of a spiritual guide. Um, they just, there's something so wise and um, sentient and knowing about these animals. So she's sort of your spiritual guide there. I think that uh, what you believe is really about what you believe, what are your belief systems, whether it's religion or spirituality or um there's some funny elements in there, like that little pink airplane is, I always used to think that I, I had to believe that airplane would stay up in the air for it to stay up there. And I think it's just sort of the faith that you have and some of the things you think are necessary for your life in order to um, find the best path or to feel secure or feel confident that this life is, is what you want it to be or where it's going, where you're going, or even the afterlife. So sort of a compass, compass is all of that. And there's this... Um, figure in the background that's sort of dancing is sort of a scarecrow spiritual figure and that to me is the, the freedom of the person who is, is at peace with what they believe. Well that is a very interesting piece. One of my favorites. 
Another piece you have on the gallery, and it's another one of my favorites because I, I am partial to dogs. It's called Find Me. Okay. Um, that piece is a painting of my dog when I got him as a puppy. And there was a point in my life and uh, my family's life, we've been through some tough times, and it was just a very not as, as happy of a moment in time. And someone um, tricked me into getting this puppy. <laughs> And he brought from <laughs> it happens. He brought so much joy, and you know it was that we found him to give him a home. But really, he found us and gave us uh, so much back into our lives that we needed. That you know, as as someone said after that, we got them. You don't have an unhappy house when you have a puppy in it. It's just a, a whole new world, and and so much beauty and joy and silliness that just. Uh, it was just a wonderful um, turning back around from that little puppy. Well, that is true. They uh, they epitomize unconditional love to me. Totally. That's you know that's the thing I love about animals. There's there's truth in them. There's there's uh, such sincerity, and they just they're loyal. And dogs are just my favorite pet. They're just amazing. Well, another interesting art piece you have at the gallery is called Goodbye Little Prince. Another pet of ours that we actually lost him last year, and he was a sweet little um, ferret. My son had always wanted a ferret as a young, very young boy, and I had him um, prove his responsibility at one point, and he was able to get this pet, and he was the sweetest little beautiful creature. I just wanted to sort of pay tribute to him after he was gone and to, you know, kind of send him on his way. So it sort of has, you know, him as this little king that is, because he was our little king of his own little world. The leaf in the boat on that one, I always see these autumn leaves as sort of a symbol of of life and death because they are at the end of their existence, those leaves, and yet they are the most beautiful because they have, you know, all the color and and fire of everything, and yet that's the end of it. So I make the leaf almost like this little scary, um, maybe he's like the reaper or the the farrier, you know, of the um of the vessel for this um for this little creature. And it's sort of sort of joyful about the life and yet sad about the end of it. Well, I wanna remind the audience that after you've listened to this interview, uh come to contemporaryartgalleryonline.com dot com and look at Linda Mitchell's artwork. Uh, I think you'll find it very very interesting. Uh, all of her pieces There's messages in all of her pieces, and so I encourage everyone to come and take a look. Well, Linda, do you have a philosophy about your art? Um, Well, I just think that we all need a creative outlet and that part of it is just believing in yourself enough to create and express your work. And I also think that making art is your gift to the future. So I know it's hard as an artist to always feel like you're making a difference or making a living or um, being successful, but I think if you consider it that way and it's your gift to people, you never are not successful. And I think you know, connecting with, with your images to other people is is the point. And so um, I, and I really enjoy expressing myself. That is a great joy and a great release. 
and, and a wonderful way to live. I think then you get all your emotions out as opposed to hiding from them or, or letting them eat away at you. Well, that is an interesting thing, and one that I find from time to time artists do share is how the art is not only is a gift to other people from them, but it's also a gift to themselves as well that the art reflects a time in life or an emotion uh, that the artist is going through. Absolutely. It's the best form of therapy, I think. You know, you, you <laughs> get to know yourself and you can examine things in your life that you find much more um, standing of, I think, if you kind of work through it on a on a meditative sort of art process. Well, and you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned earlier that you're also doing some sculpturing now as part of your uh, of your art. Is that correct? Yes, yes, and I just finished a piece that's going to a museum in Indiana, in the uh, Museum of Greater Lafayette, Indiana. It's called Closet Monster. I've just started getting into these monster images as well as the animals. They're almost like animals that have been a little bit, <laughs> they're a little bit uh, scary animals or crazy animals. But this one is a, um, he's a life-size monster made entirely or almost entirely of um, recycled sheets pajamas, that kind of thing, because I wanted it to be sort of steeped in nightmares and dreams. And then he's, um, it's called Closet Monster, which sort of plays on the whole monster in the closet thing, and he's emerging from a life-size closet on the wall. And there's something sort of comforting about him and yet frightening, so I'm sort of playing on the comfort of your fears or or what we kind of sink into as our our natural way of um, hiding or being fearful and afraid to do things and and even thinking back into, you know, as a child, what did you find your fears were? And in this case, you know, you could name them as a monster, and that's kind of easier, some of the real fears. So that one, it's kind of a playful piece um, and mm-hmm. yet a little bit disturbing. So it's, I kind of like to <laughs> stand in the middle of those two. Well, what other uh, sculptures have you created? Well, um, I had my first life-size sculpture was, it's kind of a yak-like figure of a, um, it's a soft sculpture, and he's very resplendent in this velvet and brocade, and I called him Louis Fourteenth because I'd recently been to France, gone to Versailles, and, and that place is, I just had to say too much will never be enough after going to that place, and so that's the name of this installation. And um, I put Louis on this throne, and I had some parts of um, some, old antique furniture that I sort of created a wall-sized surrounding sort of throne element and then I did eight images from the trip which I incorporated my own elements into and at the end of it all I was thinking you know at the beginning you're thinking too much is never enough possessions or acquisitions but by the end of it on all these images I was thinking really too much experience is never going to be enough in this lifetime. And so those sort of each image uh, on the walls sort of shows the experiences that hold on to and we keep gathering and you just never want to stop. So that, that sort of uh, morphed from, that's, as I say, I like to sometimes the, the beginning um, idea may morph into something else. So it kind of became a more richer, optimistic, too much will never be enough kind of concept. Well, it's very interesting and excited to see some of some more of your sculptures as well. Thanks. Yeah, that's that's something I'm gonna keep working on is the sculptures too. 
Well, Linda, we are getting near the end of the show, and one of the questions I always like to ask uh, of our artist is what advice uh, you would give to someone new that's just getting into the art world based upon your experience. I would say to anybody, believe in yourself, because so much of um, when you're learning art or going to school or even showing to other people, you um, doubt yourself a bit and think your vision isn't like everybody else's or good enough. And so I think that that always believe in yourself and um, keep pushing forward. And the other thing I always tell people, because they ask how do you get so much work done and you know how do you kind of get where you can do this really well and that really well, and, and I just say you have to show up. You have to show up and just work, and, and you will get somewhere. Just don't give up and don't get discouraged because nobody knows how to do anything right out of the gate, whether it's playing the clarinet or uh, painting a painting or being a ballerina. You have to work at it. Well, and as a successful artist, how do you market your art? Tell the audience about your marketing efforts for your art. Okay. Well, that is a, uh, a many-fold thing like everything else. Um, I certainly show in commercial galleries, which is always a wonderful thing to exhibit and sell in those sorts of situations. And then um, I also show, you know, I have people approach me who want to see my work that I have in my house or studio, and those are always good. And then another thing that I like to do probably every couple of years is just a studio open house and art sale, and people love to come see your studio and your workspace, whether it's in your home or separate place. I have a wonderful place and a sort of a old mill that I have been in for like 20 years that people just love to come there and see your space and, and a lot of times they want to buy a piece of artwork and that's an excellent way to market your art and get people to come in and, and, and see what you're doing. Well, that is a great, great advice and a, a great idea in the studio. That's awesome. Well, Linda, I want to thank you for being with us today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for being on An Artist Speaks. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, too. Well, we're certainly looking forward to having you on the, the gallery here at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and look forward to seeing more of your work. Great. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And again, to you, Linda Mitchell's stunning artwork, to listen to this interview and, of course, purchase some of Linda's art Please go to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com, enter the search tab, and click on the artist, and then Linda Mitchell's name. I'd like to let everyone know that Contemporary Art Gallery Online has a monthly art competition. To compete, go to Contemporary Art Gallery Online and click on the Art Competition tab for additional information. If you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, visit us at ContemporaryOutGalleryOnline.com and complete the volume purchaser's request form. An Artist Speaks is currently airing every other Saturday, so we'll meet again in two weeks. Thank you for listening to us today, and have a great rest of your weekend.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.